Old Man Winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice and a good polar vortex. Oh, <laughs> heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, Old Man Winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1,500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. Let Tend Dental make your dream smile a reality. We offer a variety of top-rated treatments, including Invisalign aligners. And for a limited time, Tend is offering $750 off orthodontic treatments. Offer valid through January 31st, so don't wait. Visit hellotend.com slash sale. That's hellotend.com slash sale. And book your free consult today. It's time to take command with former NFL tight end Logan Paulson and former Commander's Beat reporter Craig Hoffman. Welcome in to Take Command. I'm Craig Hoffman. That is Logan Paulson. And today, Logan, will talk, of course, NFL Draft. It's Draft Week. How, you, you feel it in the air? Are you excited? Yeah, I do feel it in the air. It is, I'm always excited for Draft Week. You know, we've been talking about it for a while. Like, we can talk about Draft for forever. But it is, uh, it's like the time, the time of year where teams make themselves better, right? And it's a lot of youth, a lot of promise moving forward. And inevitably, uh, you know, there's going to be some really cool success stories and some really disappointing failures, but that's what draft season is all about. So indeed uh, draft season also about crazy storylines that are they that crazy? We'll talk about uh, CJ Stroud and the S2 cognition test in just a moment, but a little later in the show, uh, we're going to take a look at kind of the traits of what makes a commander's player at each, not at each and every position, but at some of the key positions that they're looking at. And then we'll put some of that to the test by going through a mock draft simulator and, and putting ourselves on the clock and saying, hey, if these are the guys on the board, what decisions do we make? I'm really looking forward to that. In part, Logan, because I've been doing it all weekend on my own, uh, like a gigantic loser. But hey, it's... Uh, it's right before draft week. Well, so, that little demo, know. I think I think when you did demo, we just did a little walkthrough before we started. It's really cool because it shows you, like even with the evaluations, the, the, the program does a really good job. Even with the evaluations, like you just never know. And so how do right. you adapt and adjust to the situation that you're in? So I think it'll be cool for fans to kind of get a feel for like, these are the scenarios and this is kind of how we would think through and talk through them. So I think it'll be a good segment. Definitely. Okay. So with that said, let's get into the biggest story on the NFL draft right now as the athletic and some other uh, outlets, but mainly the athletic have done a bunch of write-ups on the S2 cognition. Nikki did one for the Washington post as well uh, a little while back, I think during the, the combine, but the S2 cognition test is this test that theoretically is able to measure the traits that we really look for, especially in quarterbacks. Um, it, it looks at visual processing. It looks at split second decision making. It, it looks at sequential decision making. If this, then that. 
and it measures it. Uh, and then there's, they've been doing this for a while now. And, and while they don't have a ton of data per year, uh, they have accumulated enough over a while to say like quarterbacks, especially who do pretty well on this test, um, tend to tend to pan out in the league, or at least the quarterbacks that pan out in the league tend to have done well on the test. That's probably a more accurate way to right. put it. There's also been a high uh, correlation of success to wide receivers and defensive backs. So a lot of positions that require uh, spatial awareness and, and that visual processing and decision-making. If I see the coverage is this, then I need to do this thing. Or if I'm a DB and I see the route concept is this, then I need to do this thing. And uh, Bryce Young scored in the 98th percentile. Uh, seems to lock up the number one pick for him. Meanwhile, CJ Stroud scores in the 18th percentile. And there is real talk about, does that scare Houston off of him at two? And does that scare a lot of teams off of him uh, in the top 10? So Logan, I know you read some of, about the S2 as well. W just in general, what do you think of the S2 test and, and what it measures and its efficacy as part of the scouting process? So obviously the S2 has been, you know, a huge, a huge talking point this offseason because, you know, guys like Brock Purdy, did really well on it you know guys like right. drew Brees do really well on it and it's just like this you know it's this thing that's become kind of this quantifying the unquantifiable in a way that like the wonder lick couldn't do it i think it's important that fans understand that the s2 is not a test it is a battery of tests it's not like i sit down with a scantron and fill it out they're like at a touch screen there and then they have other things where they're doing different kind of processing things so it's not like that your traditional test and they kind right. of compile this together Unlike so, the Wonderlick, it's not an intelligence test either. Right. It's a reactive test. It's yeah. not. It's not based off of any like academic knowledge. And apparently, they've tried to design the test so you can't study for it. So even though Bryce Young has been taking this tense test since he was in high school, supposedly just retaking the test does not make you better at it. It's kind of like this very flexible and fluid kind of again judging reactions and things that you do well and allow. And then they give you kind of methodology to kind of improve that. It'd kind of be like, I guess a good way to think about it would be like if you were to, um, you know, do like some type of strength test and you were weak in your deadlift, then you'd see a strength coach and they were able to prescribe you kind of exercises to improve that area of your lifting. So that's kind of the way I look at it. Um, I think it's also important that, I, you know, I haven't read the the, the reports about, um, about Stroud specifically, but there are multiple tests. So I don't right. know if he got an 18% on the whole thing or if it was one Well, section. he got it. Yeah, he did. He did get eight and it's 18th percentile right. on the entire test. But I did read, I was reading, um, Bruce Feldman did like an NFL draft confidential where he talks to a bunch of NFL coaches and anonymously and, you know, quarterback coach one says this quarterback coach two says that. And they did say that the parts of the tests that they care about more for quarterbacks, he didn't do as poorly on. So right. um, maybe the, and obviously the teams will have that prescribed to S2 will have that information. Right. So I think that that is, um, that's important to note, right? Is that like, it's not like this one number. It's like a compilation of a whole bunch of other tests. Now I would say, is it concerning? Yes. In, in the same way that if he, if a receiver comes out and runs like a four, eight 40, it's concerning. Like you're going to go back and kind of revisit the tape. That to me is not overly surprising uh, that his number is not great in this area because when you watch his film, I think he's a very good player. He's obviously got great arm talent, great anticipation, um, you know, great uh, understanding of how to layer the football. But, you know, he's playing behind an offensive line that'll probably have potentially, you know, two guys, three guys drafted in the top 66 players, like, you know, like really good offensive line play, really good receivers. 
Uh, Harrison Jr., the receiver from Ohio State, will probably be like a top five pick next year. He has right. Jackson Smith and Jigba. Like that offense is tough for quarterbacks to evaluate. So even at the combine, when you're talking about Stroud to teams and, and other organizations, like irrespective of the S2 result, there are concerns about how does he handle things in a dirty pocket? How does he handle things when his process is accelerated? So that's even before this test came out. I think this test kind of gives you another kind of data point to say, you know, I, I when I was watching film, like I kind of thought he was a little bit slow in area X and maybe the S2 supports that. So I don't think the S2 should be taken as like this end all be all concluding test, right? You know, I think it's, it's a piece of information, much like the information you get at the combine that should be weighed appropriately. It should be weighed in conjunction with the film. It should be weighed in conjunction with the 40 and the combine and the interviews. And I would say I'd probably weigh it anywhere between seven and 14% of my evaluation. So not an overly big piece of evaluation, but it's definitely, if I see a number like that on a test, you know, and I haven't seen his profile. S2 does a really good job of being very secretive about it. It almost falls under the HIPAA category of not being able to release it. So I don't know how you get these numbers out there unless someone is releasing them, but that's a conversation for another day. Right. Yeah. So yeah, go ahead. I was going to say that, you know, the agents, you know, if you're like Bryce Young's agent, you want that number out there. So you, you release it to a reporter or, you know, whatever. But right. yeah, S2, S2 themselves absolutely does not release the information. They're very, very guarded. So like, then they're not going to comment on this. So it's like, how accurate is this number really? Now the teams will know. And I'm assuming that this number, his S2 is not going to be good as Bryce Young because Bryce Young, just like when you see him play, it's a, it's a different ball game, right? The things that the S2 is supposed to test. He innately does very, very well. And so I expect CJ Stroud to do not as well. Now, how, like, what is the difference between those two numbers? I don't know. But is it going to make me go back and reevaluate some of his film? Maybe have another conversation with him if I can, especially if I'm Houston picking it too? Absolutely. Is it going to dissuade me from picking him? No, but it's definitely going to force me to dig in on some of that evaluation and kind of say, all right, like, is this something that we think can get corrected? I'm going to talk to the guys at S2 and be like, you know, how do we interpret this data? Um, and what's the best way that we can help him if we do bring him in? Is it getting him on those, you know, computer screen boards and having him do a lot of reads like that? Or is it whatever? So that's kind of my thought. Yeah. So for me, a bad test is less important than a great test. Um, and in terms of single, single testing. And I, I, I was talking to someone over the weekend who works in like a data analytics and he's like, well, what do you do about a, a small sample size? And I was like, well, that's a good point, but I'll, I'll equate it to a 40, you know, you use the deadlift analogy. That one could work too, but I'll equate it to a 40, yeah. right? Let's say my personal best, if, if I, everything goes right, I sleep great. My nutrition is excellent. I, I just wake up feeling limber old Baker Mayfield. I, I don't know. I just woke up feeling dangerous. My yeah. best day. I run a four, eight. That's my personal Craig Hoffman's best 40 time. Well, most days, if I'm an actual elite athlete, I can get probably pretty close to that um, because I've trained that skill over and over again. Um, but there's no way I can actually I can go out and bust a four six. It's just not in me. It's not possible. But if I wake up feeling like crap, there's a chance I run a five flat. Right. Right. And so if you have one bad test, like was CJ Stroud just was he tired? You know, he took the test in the middle of a bunch of visits. He's been working his butt off to get ready for the combine. Like, was was he legitimately just tired or uh, having an off day? And and one test, even though it's a battery of tests, um, is not necessarily going to dissuade me from taking him if I've got a bunch of other things that, you know, the tape says like, yeah, that that's off. That doesn't make sense. That's surprising. I'd also probably want him to retake the test. 
right? Yeah, and does he so. do better a second time around? Meanwhile, Will Levis scored in the 90th percentile as well. And that's one that's really interesting because if all of a sudden his decision-making is way better than we thought, um, and maybe there, for, there were other reasons that were affecting you know, what he produced, now I'm more intrigued by Levis than I might have otherwise been. Now, he's got some other issues, right? And this is where the entirety of the evaluation comes in. I was reading, again, that uh, draft confidential thing, and one of the quarterback coaches said about Levis, he just doesn't really layer the ball very well. Right. He just it's, ever, it's all fastballs all the time. So if you can make the right decisions, like that is the most important skill. But if you can't do anything with that information, then that's problematic. And you go from intriguing to, yeah, well, you know, not that exciting. And so, you know, that also gets into like what's coachable versus what it's not. And the stuff that the S2 tests, I don't think is super coachable. Um, there, there's some level of it for sure. You know, we can, you know, and in the strength and conditioning, like sports performance world, there's certainly training that we can do um, that is in part mental and decision-making as well. But a lot of that stuff, like what makes a Bryce Young a Bryce Young or like in basketball, what makes LeBron James LeBron James is he was born with that. You're born with the ability to see the game slower and more clearly than everyone else. And so can you can you coach touch, you know, or is that also like a depth perception kind of innate natural thing? And so that's that's to me where it becomes really interesting beyond just like a bad score. I'm willing to overlook that if every other factor suggests that may have been something, you know, on a, a, a bad test day. Um, but a good one really opens my eyes. And that's, you know, that's why like the Niners were not very surprised that Brock Purdy succeeded because right. he did really well on this. And he, he has a very clear understanding of what he sees and what to do with that information. And, uh, you know, just enough physical talent to, to be productive with it. Yeah. So the other thing I was going to say is that like, when you talk to like S2 gave an interview with PFF, uh, a representative for them, I think he's the co-founder of the company. I can't remember his name at the moment, but basically he was like, Doing well on an S2 test does not make you a good NFL quarterback. It means you're good in these areas which correlate to being a good quarterback. Because they said we've had people test, you know, above 98% quarterbacks that have never played it down in the NFL because there's a physical component to the game that needs to be acknowledged, right? And it goes the other way. So, like, if it's really bad, doesn't mean they're going to be a bad quarterback. So, I, I think that that's important. Like, there's still – there is a correlation – um, the extent of that correlation, I think, is yet to be determined because, like you said, Craig, they haven't. It's it's a relatively new test um, for NFL athletes. Obviously, they test it with high school and colleges for a couple of years now prior to this. But for the NFL, they're still kind of fleshing out exactly what everything means. Now there seems to be, like I said, a correlation if you do better on these tests, but it doesn't mean you're going to um, be good or bad because, again, there's the other stuff associated with the positions. That's why I say you weigh this out how it's supposed to be weighed. Like I kind of like I'd weigh a 40 for a receiver. Like I said that already, or, you know, a, a really bad bench press number for an offensive lineman. I'm going to go back. I'm going to revisit some stuff. I'm going to try and talk to that kid again. And then that, that, that's going to be the meat of my evaluation is my analysis of the kid, my analysis of the tape. And then again, if I see some of those red flags, I'm going to talk to S2 because again, in addition to the test, they provide actionable solutions to help you improve in these areas somewhat. So that that's going to be my process. It's not going to make or break CJ Stroud, in my opinion. Is it a factor? Absolutely. But I also think that, you know, if the, if Houston loves him, this is not going to make them not love him. I, I think the reason that the people are talking about Houston passing on him is because of the other things that you see in his tape that's already there that makes you nervous about him as a productive NFL player, especially by an offensive line that's still growing there in Houston. So, yeah, I, I think it's 
it's a, it's a good piece of information. It's an excellent test. I'm really glad the NFL is utilizing it, but I do think that it's, um, it's just a piece of information. No doubt. Uh, just quick context uh, from the athletics article on Brock Purdy in February, the company recently looked at 27 starting quarterbacks. Some of the older vets like Brady and Rogers had entered the league before S2 began testing in 2015. And there are no scores for them. Breeze took the test while already playing in the NFL. Of that group, 13 had a career passer rating above 90, so 13 of 27. The average S2 score of those players was the 91st percentile. Those with passer ratings below 90 had much lower results. Those 14 guys, the the 14 that were below 90, the average score was in the low 60s. Um, Top-tier quarterbacks have the average highest average score. And then safeties are actually right behind them. So again, you got the, the, you know, big, big spatial awareness, you know, problem solving type of position. Uh, The S2 is, is incredibly helpful. And that makes total sense. Um, You know, can ultimately what it's the, the simplest version of what it's trying to test is if this, then that, and that's what quarterbacking and safety play and, you know, wide receiver play is, is like, if cover two, then I throw the ball here or I bend my route that way. Or if, you know, if it's dagger, then I break on this route. Like right. that makes sense to me. Um, and so that's that's why I love this test. I actually think that as they get more information yeah. um, and it's going to become a bigger part of evaluations. Um, but you do need, you know, anytime there is testing, a small sample size is the enemy of it being accurate. And so that that's why like an 18th percentile from Stroud, although very concerning, is not ultimately a deal deal breaker. I would think about like if I'm Houston and I was on the fence at all, that might push me off the fence. I will say that. Um, mm-hmm. But I've got to already be on the fence for that to be the case. Yeah. And from what I understand, like they're they've been on the fence about him for a couple of weeks now. So, right. you know, like I'm sure this all of a I'm sudden sh- betting betting markets had like Levis going to all of a sudden. Really? So, Interesting. Yeah. So yeah. That was interesting uh, yeah so I, I don't know about all that but you know i think this is a it's a good piece of information it's it's the combine it's your interview process it's the s2 test and i think to be considered with, with any kind of testing to be considered in that pantheon of the evaluation process is pretty impressive so i think it's a great tool yeah. i'm glad teams are us- utilizing it i'm glad to have a, a way to test this and hopefully it just keeps getting better like you said they just keep getting more information but it's not it's not the end all be all for me in my evaluation yeah, no, definitely. I don't think there is an end-all, be-all. It's the, the conglomerate right. of it all. Passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride-or-die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance from superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has got you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. 
Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Take a man podcast from Odyssey Sports. I'm Craig Hoffman. He is Logan Paulson. All right. To the commanders drafting at 16. Uh, they've got 47. They've got a bunch of other picks as we go on down and you know, no real reason I'm listing them all, Logan, because there's a great chance that at least one of them gets traded. Uh, but they, they got they got picks in every round. Uh, they're they're set up well with the way this draft is, and and we're gonna actually get to some simulations of what decisions they could be making on the board in the first three rounds in a few minutes. But uh, you did an interesting kind of study research yeah. project over this past week, where you took a look at at Rivera and and his crew, the Martys, etc. And kind of what they've looked for at different positions, because there's all these names that get connected to every team, but to Washington and it becomes kind of the general consensus like, Oh, well, Washington's going to take this guy because he's, he's the Washington guy. Well, when you dug in, let's start with offensive line. What is an actual Washington guy? What is an actual commander based off history at the offensive line? Well, I think Ron is a guy who's going to like follow things that have worked for him in the past. And so when I look at last year's draft, I think last year's draft was very successful. And I think it was very successful in Ron's mind. And, you know, in my observation of last year's draft class, because they went and they got players who were very high character guys who played a lot of football for big programs. And there's, there's the character thing, I think is something that increases the floor of a player so basically what you're looking at is very very high floor players and players who don't necessarily have the same type of upside so when you go through the draft class let me just click this open real quick but like when you go through the draft class with these guys you kind of say to yourself um you know like what are you looking for i'm looking for guys with leadership qualities i'm looking for guys that have position flex i'm looking for guys that um have played a ton of football so the first guy on my list that I, that, that kind of meets this criteria is Paris Johnson. He started at a fre- Paris Johnson Jr. out of Ohio State. He started as a freshman, played guard, started left tackle. So the position flex box is checked. He started at charity in high school. Like obviously, he's very forward thinking and he's got his head head on straight. Um, so I think that is a guy that kind of fits that mold, right? The next guy on my list is Anton Harrison because he's played a lot of football, been a little inconsistent, but has the position flex. And then the guy that probably is the most commanders player to me out of these tackles is Matthew Bergeron out of Syracuse. He's the team captain. He's a four-year starter. He plays guard. He plays left tackle. He plays right tackle. He's done it all. He's been there his entire career. No trouble issues. And so to me, it's like I know all these names, you know, people throw around Darnell Wright. When you kind of delve into Darnell Wright a little bit more, you realize he was really inconsistent at left tackle. He was really inconsistent at guard. He has some kind of there's whispers in certain media outlets of him having some personality type stuff. Right. And I haven't been able to corroborate that. But, you know, from these outlets, like I'm going to kind of defer to that because where there's smoke, there's often fire. So this guy that I love the film of might not be a personality fit with this organization in the same way that a Matthew Bergeron is, because Matthew Bergeron, just based on this kind of little research project I did, has a very, very high floor. He's an excellent leader, boat captain. 
you know, he's he speaks multiple languages. He's a smart guy. Position flex. Those, those Syracuse Orange, you got to right. love them. And so, again, like, so I know that's a name that hasn't really been associated with the team a ton, but I think that's really interesting because it kind of it takes away the guys like Dewan Jones, who are very, very high upside guys, but the floor is not very high for him, I don't think, because he's still – there are some – you know, there's some conditioning, some concerns. There's uh, he has played a lot of football, which I think kind of checks the bill, but lacks that true position flex. Some people say he can play left. Maybe, you know, I think that's yet to be seen, but I, I think that's interesting. Broderick Jones, only 19 starts. He's only redshirt sophomore. I don't know if Ron, given the current situation, is going to bet on upside the way some of these other organizations are. So I think he's looking for more of a surefire thing. And when you go through the list, it's really interesting because then you get to like guards, for example, and it's not Osiris Torrance, it's Steve Avili, it's Cody Mock, it's Tyler Steen from Alabama, right? Guys who have played 50 plus games, those super seniors, those guys who have seen everything under the sun. And again, those names are not have not been in tremendous circulation with this organization, but I think that's the type of guy you're probably going to lean towards. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Um, I, I do think the offensive line is in an interesting place, though, where, you know, are you looking for someone who's going to start for you right now? Or are you looking more long term? And you always wonder. But I, I do think the thing you said at the beginning uh, more generally about Ron is like Ron is someone who gets an idea in his head. And if he thinks it works, then he's going to go right back to that. Well, which can be good and can be bad. Right. Sometimes like you're the benefit of an anomaly and sometimes uh you know, you found something that works and you should keep going back to it. So uh, I do think that's going to be an interesting thing with them in this particular draft at O-line is, you know, we've talked about it and I've said it on the radio. I've said it here is like, yeah, offensive line makes a lot of sense because you feel like you can upgrade at almost every position outside of whatever Cosme is going to play. Um, but at the same time, you don't necessarily need any position. Right. So um, how, do, how does the shuffle work? Um, that's that's going to be a pretty fascinating thing. All right. Corner. Right. Obviously, Benjamin St. Juice is is probably the model, uh, would right. be my guess. They love what they've gotten out of him. Big, long, physical, great feet. Um, but he's obviously had an injury history, and and I think he had some of that in Minnesota as well. So maybe maybe a little bit more upside play. What you find in, in going back and looking at corners? Yeah, so they do tend to kind of gravitate towards, like, physical freaks. Like, and William Jackson III is kind of the other guy, in my opinion, that they, they, they went after, right? He's a big, physical, fast guy that is kind of freaky in his measurables. And I think like when they're looking for a certain athletic profile there and a certain physical mindset at the position, because Benjamin St. Juice maybe isn't the most physical guy of all time, but he's a very willing tackler. He's very good in press. He's good at the catch point. And so when you kind of go through, you say, okay, well, like, who is that? And guys who are very productive for a long time, like, um, you know, I think Benjamin St. Juice played, I think he was a like three-year starter at um at minnesota if i remember correctly i'd have to go back and look that up but so guys like deontay banks to me because of his athletic profile because of how he plays the position physically kind of fit the fit the mold here more than you know a witherspoon or a porter and then you say well you know who else kind of outside of that top group of guys and i i really want to say schematically um uh the guy from uh mississippi state Forbes, Emmanuel Forbes, right? The corner, he would fit schematically because they play a lot of cover three. They play a lot of off match, but they don't, I, I think the, the lack of big size there would be concerning, but I think from a, from a scheme, from an athletic trait standpoint, he fits. And then a guy that I think everyone's been talking about, maybe they haven't been is Julius Brents from Kansas state because he is, 
I'm not even like this. He is Benjamin St. Just. He's 6'3". He's 200 pounds. He's got 34-inch arms. He had excellent short shuttle times. His 40 was okay, but all of his L, his L drill, his 5'10'5", were all like top percentile, 100th percentile. They were excellent. So that's exactly what Benjamin St. Juice was. And so when you think about that, like if that's the model, if those guys with those high physical upsides are the model, then the list gets really tight really quick. You know, um, Banks, I think there might be a little bit of concern because he played in a predominantly man scheme. I think William Jackson the third, predominantly a man corner. Maybe that scares him off, but the high physical upside, I think, is something you lean into. And then I think, um, you know, Forbes with the cover three match, very, very interesting. And then Julius Brents, because that physical fo- uh, profile works so well in this system. So those are some names that I would just throw out there. And I think there's probably more guys that fit that bill. But those are the guys that kind of jumped off the page when I started the project. Yeah. Um, and that, that gets really interesting. And, and we'll get into kind of our decision making mock draft simulator here in a, yeah. in a few. But um, it does really, really push for like a trade down situation yeah. um, potentially with with those guys like Brents and Forbes um, and Banks are yeah. looking like mid to late 20s versus 16. Yeah. Uh, and that's Same thing with be... the old line, though, too. Right. If you're looking right. for a type. Right that trade back is, is going right. to be big. Because well, I mean, if you say Paris Johnson though, like if he's there at 16, he, then maybe 16 might be, that might be the guy. Um, so you start to piece all the, this puzzle together. Um, any, any other positions that you came across strong, strong correlations of traits and success with the commanders? Yeah. So there were, uh, so we'll do edge rusher and linebacker if we got time sure. to do that. So yeah. linebacker, I think everyone thinks, Oh, like they need a mic. They need Jack Campbell. They need this kind of, you know, prototype, you know, he's, he's the bluest collar. He's the highest floor. But when you look at what they do at linebacker, they tend to kind of gravitate towards athletic projects, you know, like obviously J, uh, Jamin Davis is exhibit a, uh, Cody, the guy they just brought in from Seattle is also a converted safety. Who's relatively great at the position. I think they have a lot of, they seem to have a lot of confidence that they can develop those guys athletically, right. That they turn those athletic guys into starting caliber players. So to me, then if I'm looking for athletic profiles, I kind of get away from, from Jack Campbell, like even though he's like the highest floor guy. So it's funny. I feel like they have high floor standards in certain areas. And then here it's like they're playing upside. So drew drew Sanders from Arkansas, the linebacker, who's the converted edge rusher because of his athletic profile, all of a sudden, creeps up the board pretty substantially Simmons out of, I don't think Simmons kind of fits their mold because he's not very tall, but they like these tall angular linebackers, right? Um, there's a kid from Tulsa. He's six, three, he's got the longest arms of any linebacker, like those types of physical athletes that are, that have like kind of this imposing figure at the linebacker position, I think become more valuable for them than let's say a guy like Jack Campbell. Now I think Jack Campbell would be an excellent fit here, and I'm sure that, you know, if he's there in the third round, they'd probably select him. But I do think that it's important to note that their their value at that position seems to be more on traits as opposed to on college production, which is something to keep in mind when evaluating like a Henley out of Washington State. Very productive player, but a little shorter, a little stouter. They want those tall 6'4", six, 6'5", six, guys, I think, that can run and hit. And I think there's some guys later that are maybe more raw, but fit that bill a little bit more acutely. So I think that's something to keep in mind. Yeah, that makes sense. And then the last one you mentioned was edge rusher, um, which is one of the most interesting positions because they, it seems like based off their current roster, like you've got kind of two different molds, right? You've right. got the Montez sweat mold and then you've got the 
the Chase Young mold. And Chase is maybe a bad example because there's no one else in his mold. Correct. He's such a freak. But like the the bendy edge rusher type, uh, the, you know, ironically, Shaka Tony, who they now need to replace because he got suspended for a year. Yeah, like, um, I, I, but I, I, that that's kind of the two molds. And I'm really glad you brought that up because there is there is two types of players they would be looking for. There's these guys that are big physical edge shedders. So like your Keon White is a perfect example from Georgia Tech. He's a little he's a little raw, but he's six five. He's got thirty four inch arms. He's kind of that big you know unicorn body type that's going to set edges in the run game, compress the pocket just be big and nasty, right? And then you've got like Zach Harrison out of Ohio State. He's got 36-inch arms. He looks like Montez Sweat when he plays, and Montez Sweat's been so successful in this scheme. He's got high run-stopping upside, and again, you just paid those defensive tackles. So those types of bigger body, longer arms, Miles Murphy, Lucas Van Ness, those guys fit that mold, right? A guy like Zach Harrison at Ohio State makes me a little nervous because he's he's been an underachiever. And I think they want to shy away from guys like that, you know, which is why I mentioned uh, Keon White first. If they don't pick one in the first two rounds and he slips a little bit because he's a classic overachiever, you know, so like you're kind of betting on high floor work ethic, which is something they did last year. Then you get in the bendy edge rushers and you say, how much do they actually value that in this scheme? Because the guys they kind of pick up in the later rounds are bendy edge rushers, you know, and so, you know, Will McDonald, the fourth out of, um, Iowa State is like the bendiest edge rusher you'll ever see. He's very experienced. He plays physically. He fills a need at a high level. But does he actually um, – will he fully fall to you in the second round or third round? I don't think so. I think he's going to be off the board. And so, you know, like that's something to keep an eye on is like even though they have a very specific type, like are they going to kind of prioritize, hey, we have these big bodies. Let's get a smaller guy like Nick Hampton out of Appalachian State who's – Six two and a half, six three. He's two hundred and forty ish, four forty five pounds maybe, but a very very excellent pass rusher. So do you kind of say in a later round we get a Nick Hampton to kind of flesh out this room where you say we want more of the same type of body types as our big freaky edge rushers? We got you know your James Smith Williams, your Montez Sweat, even Chase Young to a certain extent. So that's where I think that becomes really interesting. Is there there are two different types, and I think it's like they also seem to be gravitating towards guys there with high physical profiles obviously and also high work ethic profiles so um you know other guy would be fahoko out of uh, sacramento state um who is uh, oh, san jose state excuse me who's again that big kind of edge shedding guy who's going to compress a pocket so there are guys that fit both molds um and it just depends on you know which they want to prioritize especially given chase young and his fifth year option type of thing so yeah uh, that's, they've, they've got a massive decision to make an edge. And I, I do wonder if one of the premier edge guys falls to them a little bit at 16, if that becomes appealing, but yeah. they say they, they say they want to keep both guys, uh, you know, but we'll also see May 2nd's coming real fast for, uh, Ron Rivera to say. announce what they do. With the, but the thing is, even if they announce they're not giving chase the fifth year option, it doesn't mean they're not keeping him long-term. Correct. Uh, it's going to depend on what happens this season. All right, when we get back here on Take Command, uh, we dive into the mock draft simulator and we put ourselves on the clock, make some real decisions like the commanders will have to do uh, starting later this week. Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. 
Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. Survivor 46 is here and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast. And we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Vyadaris, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. Take Command podcast from Odyssey Sports. I'm Craig Hoffman. He's Logan Paulson. Make sure that you check out live coverage of the 2023 NFL Draft on Odyssey Sports YouTube page with Jason Lockenfora and Brian Baldinger. Thursday night for the first round. Baldy and JLC, of course, on our podcast last week. Fun crossover episode within the huddle. If you missed it, make sure you go back and check it out. All right, Logan, uh, one of the things that NFL teams do in the lead up to the draft is they put themselves on the clock. They do like mock drafts to say like, all right, we got decisions to make. The board falls this way. What are we going to do? So I thought it'd be kind of fun for us to do that. Uh, ESPN has come out with a mock draft or an NFL draft simulator, which is very, very cool. Uh, It's driven by their draft day predictor model. And you can select how many rounds you want to do and pick which teams you want to pick for. So I kind of figured we would pick for the commanders. Uh, let's just go three rounds uh, because yeah. once you get to rounds four, five, six, and seven. Uh, a little it's dicey. A, it's, a of, it's, a, it's, it's a bit of a crapshoot. Um, but we're going we're gonna to go a couple three-round, not full-on mock drafts, if you will. But the other thing I like about this model that folks will see in a second, if you're watching on YouTube, we have the, uh, the screen up, is that you will be able to see a report after that says the likelihood that the player that you have is available at that pick and also the avail- the potential for them to be available at the next pick. Um, so like, did you make a good pick or was there an 85% chance that you probably could have gotten that guy in the next round uh, based off their mock? So uh, anything else you want to add before we get started, Logan? No, I'm excited to see what happens. All right, so here we go. Uh, Panthers are on the clock. We'll start the draft. It'll go through. Bang, 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 bang. And the board looks like this. According to ESPN's big board, best available players for us to select at 16. Dalton Kincaid, tight end uh, out of Utah. Paris Johnson Jr., Darnell Wright, Jackson Smith, and Jigba. Um, Anybody else that you want to highlight here? I guess Emmanuel Forbes. Darnell Wright, you said. um, Emmanuel Forbes. Will McDonough, the fourth. Uh, To me, those are so like, just on, you know, I I mentioned that I did a tiered kind of like a just for fun. Of these players available right now, according to my personal tiers, I have Paris Johnson as a first-tier player. If Paris Johnson is a first-tier player in Washington's evaluation and he's here at 16, like it's not even a question. You take him. And I think that, again, it just depends on how you have him tiered. Now, if he's a tier two player, then I probably would trade back out of this spot. But if he's a tier one guy, which for me in my like little BS mock, uh, mock tier system I did, he's a tier one player. I would, uh, I would, I would select Paris Johnson here. Okay, so we're going to select Paris Johnson in a second. One thing I will say though, from having played with this simulator a lot this weekend, is there's going to be, and I'm hoping we get one. Um, there's, there's going to be a lot of like we should probably trade down situations. Yeah, and, and that's that's what I'm saying here. Is like if yeah. if if he's if he's so let's just talk about that real quick. If he's a tier two guy, 
Dalton Kincaid's a tier two guy. Darnell Wright's a tier two guy. Jackson's a tier two guy. Elijah Kansi's a tier two guy. Mike, blah, blah, blah. All these guys keep going down the yeah. list, Craig. It's they're Forbes, all, Will McDonald, uh, they're all Deontay Banks, two. Julius Brents. But like we just talked about the value of getting Banks or Brents. And like at that point, you want to trade down and Correct. still get a tier two guy, but also pick up another top, you know, you can get another top 65 pick. Like, there, I, I put together some pretty monster, you know, I sent you one that you're like, that's franchise changing. Yeah. So, I mean, hopefully we'll, I, I'd assume in one of the three times, we're going to go through this three times, uh, three sets of three reps, if you will, Logan. Yes. Uh, that's, that's what I'm saying. It's like this, if, if he's we'll a tier two it. guy, you would trade back, but based on for this, let's just work the drill. He's a tier one guy. So we would take him. All right. Paris Johnson Jr. is our pick. We draft him. Boom, boom, boom. There goes the board on down. We're back on the clock at 47. Ooh, yeah. Um, and this is something that I ran into a lot, right? So the board right now, best players available, Jameer Gibbs, the running back out of Alabama, Steve Avila, uh, the center uh, guard, probably guard out yeah. of TCU, DJ Turner, a uh, blazer at cornerback, Keon White, Luke Musgrave, the tight end, Tyreek Stevenson corner. So you have some really good players that are on the board here. Sam Laporta is available at tight end, yeah. Bergeron's available at offensive tackle. Um, but the thing is, you already took – um, you already took Paris Johnson. Sure. Yeah. I typically found that taking corner first left me in a better place in the second round because, and it also, I will admit though, it's based off whatever this board is, whatever right. board that ESPN is using is obviously influencing what the other teams take. And so like Bergeron is always available in the second round. Yeah. I don't think it's guaranteed that he's available at 47 when the commanders are actually picking their on Friday. Yeah, I was actually just talking to one of my buddies who's an NFL offensive line coach, and he was like, I would take him in the first, like, like no hesitation. So I think he's higher probably in coaching spheres for some of that stuff we talked about before. You know, he's a captain. He can position flex. He's got the competitive juices, right? So to me, this is really interesting, and I would never do this. But I think Jameer Gibbs fills a huge need for this team, and I mm. would really like him. He's excellent as like a satellite player move piece. I, if I'm trying to put myself in the shoes of Eric Bieniemy, I think Eric Bieniemy's not going to like him as much as me because he's bad in pass protection. So what I would that do, is a problem. So what I would do here, probably if I had a gun in my head, is I see this is like this is part of the draft process, right? Also, which I think is interesting, is I would take Steve Avila and put him at center. That's what I would do. I would have Paris Johnson play right tackle. I would move Whipler to left guard, and I would put Steve Avila at center. Not Whipler. Uh, Wiley, excuse me, I keep doing yeah. that, Wiley. But that's that's probably what I would do. And again, you got to play the board here, right? Like, is there a corner that I would take here? Probably not. Um, I can't see anybody that I, I – I mean, do you see anybody, Craig, that you like? I mean, I like Cam Smith, but do I love him at 48? Is he a, is he a true game changer? Maybe. Uh, DJ yeah. Turner's interesting. Tyree Stevens interesting. But, like, are these guys really high on my board? Probably not. Probably not. And I will say from, again, experience of doing a million of these things over the weekend, Trevay's, uh, Trevious Hodges Tomlinson, who's like a pretty intriguing slot guy, probably available to me at my next pick. Right. I see um, and so there's a little bit of... You have been I mean, doing a lot of these, haven't you? Yeah. But like, that's the thing is like, you got to be prepared and, and have some targets because yeah, of course you're all your, you can't go in thinking like these are our seven guys and have right. no flexibility. Cause then you're screwed. Right. But there is a little bit of strategy and that's kind of why I wanted to do this is because I think the more you do this kind of stuff, the more you realize, okay, the board's probably going to fall this way. And these are going to be my options. And I know I agree with you. I'd probably just go Avila here. They need an interior offensive lineman, whether it's center or guard. Um, 
I would, I, I'm on board with Avila. I know some people like him in the first round too. So I'm. He's, are, he's my number one guard, you know, and he can play yeah. center. So you're doing okay, I think. All right. So then we get down. This is really interesting. I like pick this. Pick 97. And sure enough, there's my guy, Trivius Hodges Tomlinson, uh, technically the third player on the board. Zach Pickens is the highest uh, rated player yeah, they've got defensive available. Tackle defensive tackle, who's, you know, we're pick 97. He's, he's the 68th ranked player on their board. Tyler Steen, who we mentioned earlier, but again, like we Tyler took Steen. Johnson. Yep. So um, we don't need any all line. Yeah, Luke Whipler is available. That's a guy I've taken in the third round in a lot of these over the weekend. Yeah. But this is where, you know, like, I don't know a lot about Henry Tutu, but if you want to go inside he's, linebacker, he's a good player. He's a pitcher, really instinctive, really instinctive guy, uh, smart, like kind of from Alabama. I know they value guys from big programs. Uh, you know, this this evaluation crew has done. Uh, he doesn't have that kind of physical upside that you want. Could you scroll down a little bit, Craig? Sure. Yeah. Um, yeah, so you got Tank Dell still on the board. So I would probably, if I was going to go linebacker here, which I'm not saying we should, I would probably go Nick Herbig over uh, to yeah. Let's just click, click, click the linebacker filter, see if something pops up that we like. Yeah, so yeah, he's not on here because he's considered an outside linebacker. But Dorian Williams is a guy; he'll be there when you're picking in the fourth, probably. Demarvian Overshone is another one of those kind of freaky long linebackers. Here's your here's your outside linebacker list. Yeah, um, yeah Herbig. Herbig. Yeah, I mean he he can play off the ball, I think, but I think it, I think this is probably a little rich for me. How about corner? What we got at corner? At corner, you're talking about Hodges, Tomlinson, Corey Trice. I would probably go. With, I mean, I I still think getting a nickel is the play. Yeah, I mean he's probably um, the best. I'd probably player. go Hodges Tomlinson. But yeah, because again, this is one of the things about free agency that's important is you filled it so that you don't have to select an outside corner. You can select Tomlinson and be pretty happy about it. You know what I'm saying? So um, go back to the running backs real quick. Sorry. Yep. You had, yeah, so nobody on there that I would take now. But yeah, so I would probably go edge. We got edge. Let's go to edge real quick. Yep. That's a good call. Where is defensive end? You know, so this uh, I don't really like Tuli Tuiope too. I don't know how to say his name. He's from USC. Below too. Yeah, he's a guy that I think is. I don't know how he translates. And I actually like uh, Vimi Fehoko. He's the two hundredth player on the board here. I like him a little bit more as a transition player of the NFL. So why am I going to take? So to me, these guys would probably be tiered in approximately the same way. Is what I'm saying. So I'm going right. to take a person like Hom- like uh, Tomlinson and feel pretty good about that. I think is it was where I would go here. All right, so we take Tomlinson and and for our three, you know, whatever. Um, and, you know, I this is a great draft uh, based off of their analytics because the chances that the players that we took are available at the next pick are less than 5%, um, which means that you kind of get a steal, right? Yeah. Um, you know, only a 32% chance that Paris Johnson's available to you at 16, and you get him at 16. Uh, barely a f- above a 50% chance that, Avila is available to you at 47. You get him there. Hodges Tomlinson a little bit different, um, but positional fit. And you still, he's their 81st player, 97th uh, pick. To me, yeah. that's a win. All I mean, right. that, that feels good to me. I mean, I, I know that may not be the sexiest draft of all time, but those are good football players. I got high evaluations on them. I think they make your team better immediately. You add young depth at positions of need. And like you said, you get maybe an edge rusher later, like we talked about with Fahoko, and maybe a running back later because it's a deep class. So it, I think that's that feels like a very good draft for this team. Indeed. All right, let's do this again. We'll run through it a little bit faster, perhaps. Sorry, yeah. 
Because uh, yes. I would love to get like three in. Yeah, let's for, get three. For, let's, it's our uh, show, Craig. We can do whatever we want. That's true. I also slowed it down so you can see how the board falls a little bit easier if you're I watching see. along on YouTube uh, as opposed to just like, pop, we're at the pick. Yeah. Uh, so here, Ooh. here's an interesting Ooh. one. <laughs> so B. John is on the board. Uh, Levis is on the board. Kincaid's on the board. Oh, God. Lucas Van Ness on the board. To me, this screams trade back because, yeah. you know, the like the highest ranked player on the board that you kind of want to take is probably Forbes based off position. Forbes and or Van, Van Ness, Ness would be interesting. Van Ness is interesting. Um, but you got Banks, you got Brents, you got Branch. Yeah. Uh, also, this, I think this is a good trade back because all the, so, so just so the people understand, all the top offensive linemen, the guys that you would consider taking at 16 are gone. They have um, they have Deontay Banks rated a little lower than I personally do. I would consider mm-hmm. taking him here based on my evaluation, but because he's so low, and this is part of the thing about understanding how the rest of the league sees a guy, is I'm going to try and trade back, you know, like because I want to get in those like that twenty range if I can. Right. So here are the teams that. So there's kind of two factors if we're going to try to do this on the the trade situation. One, who on the board is someone going to want to trade up for? And two, like, what's our target to trade back? Because it's real easy to look and like, well, I kind of want to trade with the Jaguars, but would the Jaguars actually want to trade up with the these players on the board? Well, the other so question who, is, we have to acknowledge this because friends are going to freak out. Bijan Robinson is the best player on the board, right? I don't. Is there a team that's going to trade up for him at sixteen? I think Will Levis is the guy that people are going to want to trade up for. I think you get Minnesota, you get Tampa Bay, potentially wanting to trade up there. Um, I think. I don't know if Dallas would trade up. Probably not. But, you know, someone who loves Bijan or Will Levis, I think, are good trade-up candidates. And so, to me... I don't see Minnesota trading up. And I'm also less intrigued to trade with Minnesota because, again, I've done this way too much. They don't have a second. Oh, right. So, so let's see what Tampa Bay Are they really going to trade their third? So, if we go to make a trade and we're going to go to the Buccaneers... um. 16 for 19 and then what else can we get do we want to try to gun for 50 i doubt they give us well, 50 maybe we give up uh, three spots yeah. but we'd have obviously have to give up but even if you get two thirds that's great value so i guess so fine. let's see if they'll do this for 16 actually i have a draft grade calculator open in another window so i'm just gonna real quick what are those two picks logan it's 19, it's 19 and 82 and 82 calculate um, they're, they're within 5% of each other. It's like a thousand trade points versus a thousand fifty five. Let's see if ESPN's little guy says, yep, they, they said it. I always feel bad when I make a trade like that because then I'm like, well, damn, could I have gotten more? <laughs> uh, so now we're on the clock at 19 and the players that went, uh, were Bijan at 16 yeah. for the bucks, uh, Van Ness to the Steelers and miles Murphy to the Lions. That feels right. Yep. And that so now to, you know, I almost want to trade back again, but I probably would uh, we'll, if you could like that, that again, this is like, you're running the drill. If all these guys right. are in the same tier for you, which they are for me and you, right. Then trade back again. And because, so who, because let's is just look there at this. someone who would want Levis. I don't know. I, I mean, it would be, it would be Minnesota for me and like, let's okay. just do it and see what happens. Like I, that, this is again, this would not happen in real life probably, but this is what I would try to do. If I have all the same grades on these guys, yeah, we'll get another third. Have five. Let's see if, let's see oh, if I can look also at you, sneak. you sneaky dog over there. Sneaking let's see something. if I can. Oh, yeah, we got th- we got <laughs> multiple picks. Let's go. And Levis is still on the board. 
Um, uh, all right. At this point, we're going to make a pick, though. I'd go um, Deontay Banks probably here. Deontay okay, Banks so or now, Julius. That's this is the other thing. Is Julius Brents from a fit standpoint? This seems really high for me, but I could see something like this happening. You know, like he's. But I'm going to go Deontay Banks just based on my board. Now I'm just acknowledging that they could go. Well, this this is also why I wanted to do this. Right? Is like okay. Now it's like okay. We got to pick someone. Uh, I mean, you guess you could trade back again. Hey, Buffalo, what are you doing? Um, but, but like based on this board, I'm not kidding. I would trade back again. Like that's just how right. I would do it. Like, right. but if we got to make a pick, I'm picking Banks. Do we go crazy and try to see if the Saints want to make a move? Like, dude, yeah, let's want go. Levis? Let's go all the way back. Like, all right, they got to be willing to go up, right? But like, I would. That's the Jags. Yeah, no, we're just yeah, gonna Saints, make a killing. So the Saints are at 29, 23. Uh yeah, we'll take your we'll take that and we'll take that. What are Can you I get? doing? Nope. Yeah, take that off there. Yeah, let's. Oh, look at you just being a Can dog. We? Nope. No, okay. Just, let's just, just let's just go twenty three for twenty nine and seventy one. Oh, oh they, like... they still don't want it. Okay, so we'll throw in. What is that? A fourth, <laughs> first and fourth for. There we go. All right, there All right. we go. So now we got to trade with the Saints. And somehow right. Levis is still on the board. Levis still right, on the but, board. Banks but, on the board. Yeah, but now Banks this is it. and Brents are on the board. Yeah, so I'm going to pick Banks here probably. All right. We finally drafted a player after three trades back. We got Deontay Banks, but we did it at 29. And then we got multiple other picks here. Um, our next pick is still at 47. Somehow Will Levis is still on the board, as is Julius Brents. As is Steve Avila. Considering we just took the corner, I say we just go Avila here. Yeah. Are, there any ta- are there any tackles? You- are there any tackles? Let's see if there's any tackles that I would. Yeah, can you do that? Dewan Jones still on the board. Ooh. Cody Mock still on the board. Bergeron still on the board. But remember, let's see. We now have 71 coming up as well. He's going to be gone by 71. But yeah, so it's either a veal. I would go. I would be very, very, very tempted to take Dewan Jones if I was me as the GM because I think his uh, upside's very high now. The commanders might feel differently, but that's just something I would I would think about. Um, but yeah, I'd probably go the, here Avila because he's going to be the safest player of the draft. All right, so we'll go Avila, and let's see what happens when we're on the board again. Uh, did Levis finally go, or is he still going to wind up on the board? There goes Dewan Jones. Oh bummer! Uh, now we're into round three. There goes Mock and Freeland. Yeah. Okay. This this thing is crazy. At this point in the third round, do you just take Levis? That's this. That's a really good question. I'd go Jack Campbell here before Will Levis, but I totally would. Also, you, your guy Sam Laporte is on the board. Yeah, yeah. I'd go Jack Campbell. I think he, I think Jack, I like Jack Campbell a lot. He's a tier two player for me, you know. So is okay. Sam Laporta. So I'm gonna take Jack Campbell. And all know, right, we'll take Jack Campbell at 71. But at that point, geez, someone take Levis. Where is he? Laporta went. Uh, oh, he's not gonna go. Look at this. Oh my gosh. Now we're at pick 82. I'd probably take him here. I probably All right, we'll just we'll take just for we'll value, you know, like at eighty-two. But you know, your guy Tyler Steen, if you want to tackle here, yeah, is yeah. is available. I just Tomlinson, who we took in the last one's available. I just think uh, this but, is like a Sam Howell thing. Like if he's yeah. available in the fourth round, yeah, I'm okay, probably cool. going to take a swing. Or third, third, third round, third we'll round, take yeah. Levis, and then we can still get Tyler Steen if we want. Oh my gosh, uh, we are crushing this. Tyler you know, Steen, Spoonmaker, Whippler, still available. Even though you Jeez. took Avila earlier. What's the, uh, yeah, Michael Steen here. There's your edge situation. You got those guys. I like available. Harrison a lot, but I think it's a little high for him. What about outside linebacker? Outside linebacker. How about, uh, yeah, I mean, I'm happy with where we're at. I'd go Steen just because I think okay. he's got a high floor. 
Yeah. And then that should. Oh, do we have one? Well, we have another one. Yeah, we, dude, this is the beauty of trading back, honestly. Yeah. I, this is fantastic. And we could still get Harrison if you want. Still get Schoonmaker. Dude, how about that? End. Yeah, I'd probably go Harrison here. Harrison or Riley Moss. I like Riley Moss a lot, but uh, we already but dropped already a took a corner. corner. He'd be so, like more of a safety. Dude, we murdered this draft. See, this is this is the fun. So we traded three times, and all of a sudden we got Deontay Banks, Steve Avila, Jack Campbell, Will Levis, Tyler Steen, and Zach Harrison. A little reach on Tyler Steen, according to the metric here. But, you know, we needed a tackle, and it felt like good value. So, geez, man. How about yeah. that? See, that's that's if you haven't been convinced to trade back, uh, there you go. Good luck, good luck making all those trades. But we did it. All right, uh, let's do one more. We'll try to actually go fast through this one. Less, <laughs> less craziness. Also, but, you know, the the simulator didn't exactly help us there because Levis would not get taken. Yeah, that was that was wild. Um, all right, start draft. Off we go. Young, Stroud, Anderson, Richardson, Carter, Wilson, Weatherspoon, Gonzalez, Van Ness, Skaronsky, Johnson, Porter Jr., Smith, and Jigba. Man, Will and, Levis. Oh, look, Will Levis on the board again. Uh, but this this one becomes this this to me is far more realistic. Yeah, right? this feels you're looking real. you're looking at Levis potentially is is a bait trade bait. Yeah. Kincaid, I think, is gonna be there. Um, yeah. unless Green Bay takes. Well, he's him also 15. got the back injury now. Yeah, um, and then but then you're like, okay, Broderick Jones, a guy who a lot of people were high on early in the process and it's kind of dropped. Darnell Wright, who's been a riser. Yeah. Or you know, are you looking at that trade back for you know a four or again? I would or a Brent. probably trade back here. I, and again, let me just explain why. So Kincaid's got the back injury. Will Levis, you don't really need a quarterback. You know, um, Broderick Jones, only 19 starts, and Darnell Wright. I think there's a little bit of inconsistency in this play that makes me go, I love him. But if I can be talked out of them, so let's just trade back. All right, we'll just trade back. We're gonna only trade back once this time. But again, I want to I want to do this one based off of where's the the board? Who do we think is being targeted and by whom that realistically is gonna trade? I think up, Will right? Levis. I think Will Levis, and I do think you know Dalton Kincaid for some teams might be a good trade value, but maybe not. You know, and does a team like, like the, the Ravens, Ravens potentially maybe. want to trade up? Maybe. Do the Vikings? You know. You go back a little farther uh, again. Let's ask, at, let's ask the Vikings if they want to. Because I think I really think of all the teams, they are likely to do it. You get the Steelers. Oh, yeah, okay. All right. So and this is the problem with the Vikings. Uh, for those that are watching on YouTube, you can see. But there's no second-round pick. See if you can get like a fifth-round so, pick or something. So, I mean, I would want to 16. You're either getting a future second mm -hmm. or you need that third. Yeah, take the third. Like, to, to do this. So are they going to be willing to give up? their third when they already don't have a second probably not but we're gonna ask for it but also you know i'm gonna need like a future third to go from 16 to 23 that's I agree. that's I a agree. big jump so we'll do 16 for 23 and 87 uh espn wow. accepts that trade okay. the vikings take levis okay. so we we nailed that so now we're sitting at 23 with kincaid darnell wright still on the board yeah i'm taking darnell Wright. forbes brent's but I think, yeah, uh, right, right here. Right's the pick. Excellent. That's that's a big win. Yeah. Uh, and then down the board we go. Um, Cody Mock comes off in the second pick of the second round. That's a that's one I haven't seen a lot. Uh, our guy Avila available again. Oh my gosh, like, do we do take just, him just to be boring, or like, do we go well, a different? Who else? Is there a corner here? Yeah. So DJ Turner, Tyreek Stevenson uh available Hendon Hooker still available here mm, which you know again you know could you see a trade back in the second round if someone wants to come up and get Hooker I think that's 
really you know, interesting. Like the nastiest thing of all time is if you drafted Dewan Jones and Darnell Wright and just were like, "Hey, play next to each other and murder everyone in sight." <laughs> um, <laughs> I don't know if we can do that, but that would be yeah. Uh, what, what's the story on on, on a DK? And I like him a lot. Um, he's I got a plus upside as a pass rusher, heavy hands, a um, little inconsistent, but a really good football player. You know, edge rusher here. And what, what we're 48 or 47, we're 47. Yep. Yeah. I mean, I think that's good value, honestly. So okay. like this would, would be you do that play. or would you do like the corner and go time? I'd Steve. probably go uh, Felix over those guys at the moment. Okay. So we'll go Felix and Aduke Uzoma. And then we have, should have two more pick. Yeah. Our next pick is now the, the Vikings pick at 87. And then we have our pick at 97. Yeah. Avila goes all the way to 63 in this. That's crazy. So there's certain players that, you know, and like we didn't even think about Bergeron, but Bergeron again could be a real. No. Uh, yeah. In the second round. Absolutely. Yeah. Like Michael Wilson, who it's funny because I realized as I was researching him a little bit more that uh, I actually do know exactly who he is because his girlfriend is Sophia Smith, who is the best young women's soccer player in the world. Oh, nice. uh, or, or at least for the U S women's national team. Um, so they went to Stanford together and I was like, wait, I, I know who you are. I know um, you. But like he's on the board in these simulators way later than he should be in everything. There's he's something got, about got, he's, him. He's got a pretty bad injury history. So that makes a so lot of sense. Maybe, Go, maybe that's that. See if there's a corner here that we like, maybe. So we got Hodges Tomlinson again, yeah. uh, Clark Phillips, the third Corey Trice, Garrett. Man, Williams. it's interesting. These guys kind of go quicker than I think a lot of mocks have them in this simulator. The corners do, you know yeah. what I mean? Like the, the kind of big names, like the next guy I go is Kylie blue, but we could probably get him later. Um, if you want an outside corner, obviously Clark Phillips inside, uh, Hodges Tomlinson inside. Um, what about linebacker? Let's see linebacker real quick. Uh, at linebacker, you want inside, outside. Let's go inside first. You got two, two, and you see like the same names yeah, available to Dorian you. Yeah, Dorian Williams. Makes sense. Like these guys are good football. Like they're they're high upside players. Um, which kind of fits the mold you were talking about. How about center. Oh, that's that's another one that I've gotten a lot. Yeah, Whipler. So there you go. So we've dra- we draft. Who did we draft in the first uh, right, and then yeah. So I'd probably I mean, right. go Whipler. Whipler here. Like just yeah. again, you don't need it, but like. Why you kind of do it center. Yeah, yeah, why not? And then you got again at 97, and you Your can guy. take Hodges Tomlinson. You can take Steen. You, got, yeah. you already got one. Jeez. Uh, you know, and that's, that's another thing I kind of ran into is like, well, how you quickly took... do you get to positions that you don't necessarily how about running need? back? Is there a running back? There's your there's your list. I know a lot of people like Deuce Vaughn, obviously, uh, for the Commanders. You know, Sean Tucker's an interesting one. You want to, you want your Syracuse guy, and you miss out on Bergeron. Yeah. Get you a Sean Tucker. Seriously, uh, yeah. but those are guys that are available in the sixth and seventh round. Yeah, and again, like I, if you're if you're looking at tiers here, I I wouldn't be surprised if they trade back here as well. You know, if you've got this pick floating around, you want to move back a couple spots and get yeah. a little bit better value. Um, you know, Dorian Tomlinson, Robinson, a lot of people are very high on him. Um, who else? What other positions? Like, uh, I can't even. I think mean, that's it. that's the thing. Is like safety. Is there anybody that that's super? You know, I don't know uh, what this no, guy's story is. Yeah, yeah. Brown. No, yeah. Um, I know Christopher sixty ninth on the board to ninety seventh. Christopher Smith know. has got a lot of production. Shoot, like, yeah, man. Like, do you like? For, I, for I think me, you just go Hodges Tomlinson. 
Yeah, I mean, for me, I guess you go like best player, your best player available. So why not go yeah. him? I mean, Jalen Duncan's still available in this as well. Yeah, I don't um, I'm not as high on him. I'd go Steen over him first. And he's Steen's still here. Zach Harrison's still here. Henry 202 still here. Like, there's a lot of good football players still on the board. So, you know, guys, that, big names that are going to play meaningful snaps in the NFL. Like, you know, are they going to change your franchise? Probably not. But that's in, that's really interesting to see. That This is fun. So I'll, just, I'll go Hodges Tomlinson, and that should uh, – that wraps out our draft. And, you know, again, our first two chances of that they're going to be there at those picks, less than 5%. Uh, Whipler, you know, and their model is is a, a reach a little bit at, at 87. But, like, if they get Whipler at 87, I think most people are going to be pretty psyched. Yeah. He could be your starting center. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, like, center is a position they value here in Washington quite a bit. So they might value him even more than that. And, I, you know, my in my evaluation of the centers, like, the difference between him and Schmitz and Tippmann is very small and just kind of what flavor you prefer. So um, I get that a lot and I, I like that pick and you, you know what I mean? Like it's just, that, that's a really cool exercise, I think, to kind of show you how it could fall and then the decisions that need to be made when you're there. Because if you haven't tiered it all the way out, it gets really challenging to kind of make selections. No doubt about it. All right. Uh, thanks to ESPN for coming up with a way for us to uh... – indulge in the decision-making process and for me to lose many minutes of my weekend. Uh, so again, that's ESPN analytics, NFL mock draft simulator, uh, on, on, uh, Wednesday, Logan, we, uh, we're just going to do a regular mock draft. Nice. You and I doing it mock draft 2.0 that'll come out the morning of the draft. So make sure that you're subscribed. So you do not miss it. Our final mock draft excited for that. And again, don't miss Odyssey sports live draft coverage. We also have live draft coverage on the team. 980. Scott Jackson hosting with Denton day on Thursday night with Linnell on Friday. And then Pete Medhurst has rounds four through seven on Sunday. Uh, that's it. And that's all for this edition of take command. And we'll see you later in the week. Happy draft week, everyone.